Well, Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit listeners, it is good to be with you this morning. Friday, uh, here in Benoni, I am at Crystal Park Baptist Church. It is Mark Penrith. I'm hosting Table Talk with Mark this morning. I am joined by a number of friends. We will be chatting to Michael Lear shortly. We will be chatting to Michael. We've got a lot of Michaels in the room today. And today making sure that the lights stay on and things work. We have in the background pushing buttons at Crystal Park Baptist Church, Tepo Pitzel, sound technician and video technician extraordinaire. And at the Radio Pulpit Studios, we have our brother Vussi uh, making sure that everything happens. It's great to partner with them on this rather, it was kind of nippy when I got out of bed, um, rather chilly. Uh, I put on a short sleeve shirt. My wife was just at church and she said, hey, Mark, <laughs> what, what were you doing? You should have worn something a little bit more padded. It's, uh, it's not exactly summer yet. It's that in-between season that you don't want to get sick because you know if you get sick, you're going to get really, really ill. Um, as I said, my name's Mark. I'm a pastor at Crystal Park Baptist Church in Benoni, where I take care of the souls of men and change the light bulbs as and when necessary. And Table Talk is an opportunity for listeners to engage on biblical questions. Um, I really enjoy questions and answers. I love it when good questions come in that we can point God's word uh, to people's hearts. Last week, a couple of questions came in. I thought I'd uh, get in uh, the big guns this week. So I invited my friend Michael Lear over in order to help me answer some questions um, as they come in from listeners. You might be asking, well, how can I engage with the show? How can I ask questions? How can I make comments? How can I... um, observe in terms of what's going on well let me give you the mechanisms firstly love whatsapp and telegram particularly whatsapp voice notes those are great uh, you can get them in by uh, the number 0826572729 get those voice notes rolling in if you are currently watching on facebook it's great to have you with us um, Facebook's a, a wonderful mechanism for communicating with us. I get to see your comments on the live stream directly uh, on my PC um, here in front of me. Um, let me encourage you to comment uh, uh, on the Radio Pulpit Facebook page, Radio Pulpit Radio uh, Console uh, Facebook page. And if you comment on the live stream, I will see it right here. On Twitter, the handle is at 657AM, and I encourage you to tweet, and uh, we will see you shortly. Um, We also have a studio line, and you are welcome to engage with us on the studio line. The number for the studio line is, I know it is an 012 number, and I'm waiting for my screen to refresh. Why is it so slow? There you go. 012-334. 1322-012-334-1322. And if you dial in on that number, you get to speak to us live on air. It's like technology is amazing. Welcome to all of the folk that are watching on DSTV and on Open View. It's good to have you guys as well. 
now would be a great time just to say hi in the comments or hi on WhatsApp uh, and add in where you are listening from so I get a good idea of who the audience is. I really want to say thanks to the audience that asked so many questions last week. You really kept me on my toes. I had great fun on the show and I'm looking forward to a good show today. We're going to start off this morning by speaking to a familiar voice on Table Talk, Michael Swain. Let me introduce you, him, yum. Uh, that's not a real word, yum. <laughs> Let me introduce him uh, if you don't know him. Michael is the executive director of 4SA. Um, he has studied law abroad um, and has been successful in business. He's also a co-founder of the um, His People, Every Nation Church Movement in South Africa. Um, Freedom of Religion, the organization that he will be talking on behalf of, uh, is a legal advocacy organization working to protect and promote the constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. Michael, it's good to have you with us on Table Talk this morning. Thanks for joining us. Always great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So, I mean, let's just really dive straight in. Um, uh, last week, you introduced us to the fact that the hate speech bill was coming up for conversation again. And um, and obviously, that's going to be some of what we talk about this morning. Um, what is the bill all about? Well, it's a reintroduction of a bill that's already been before Parliament. And uh, you might remember that some maybe four years ago now, there was the original version of this bill that was tremendously opposed. There were some 70,000 submissions were made because it basically defined hate speech so broadly that just about anything that you would have said from the pulpit would have been construed or caught in the hate speech net. And bear in mind, of course, that this is a bill which for the first time in South African legal history will make something that you say, hate speech, a criminal offence that will carry three years jail sentence on a first offence and five years jail sentence for a subsequent offence or a, a limitless fine. So that the sanctions for hate speech are pretty severe. And so when it first came out, we and many others mobilised against it. And we did persuade the uh, Minister of Justice, the Deputy Minister of Justice, John Jeffrey, to include, which is in this current version of the bill, a clause which basically gives uh, a level of protection from this bill for, and the word says, uh, bona fide interpretation and proselytizing or espousing of any religious tenet, belief, teaching, doctrinal writings to the extent that such interpretation and proselytization does not include an advocate to, to hatred that constitutes an incitement to cause harm. And obviously that is uh, in, in terms of something that would infringe one of the protected grounds like race or gender or HIV status or whatever it may be. There are about 17 of them. So that was okay, but the problem with that uh, protection is that the minister subsequently went uh, uh, in, in public and said that he did not believe that that would basically protect an individual who would make such a statement. It would protect, say, a uh, you know, pastor or an imam or a rabbi or whoever, if they said something in a church service or a mosque or what have you. Uh, but if somebody then repeated what was said in public or disseminated it, because it also applies to you if you basically distribute or disseminate something, then that would potentially not protect them. Well, well what kind of protection is that? 
I mean, you know, if you say something on a Sunday and I repeat it on a Monday, and you're okay, but I get arrested literally. Um, and 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 this is and this is the problem. It, it this bill will create two new crimes now. Hate crimes we understand. That's when somebody commits a crime that's already recognized in law as a crime, like a murder or assault. And the reason for that crime is hatred or prejudice or intolerance based upon, you know, let's say race or gender or sexual orientation or something. Um, but the problem is that when you start talking about hate speech and criminalizing hate speech, what if you say something that somebody doesn't like or disagrees with or finds offensive? They can literally lay a criminal charge against you with the police. You can be arrested and then you can be prosecuted. Now, even if you get off, even if it, you're not found guilty, then you'll still have basically that arrest record on your record forever. And if you are found guilty, as I said, you can be sent to jail for three to five years or face a limitless fine. So it is very, very concerning that they're bringing this law onto the statute books. And we have a limited time to push back against it, to comment again against it. Uh, October the 1st uh, is Michael. the can I can I just come in? Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting listening to you, and and, um, and and in truth, everyone in the room is kind of giggling and laughing at just the craziness of the idea that a pastor can say something which is legally appropriate, um, and you know, m maybe um, talking about uh, sexual orientation or. Um, uh, uh, or whatever it might be uh, in terms no, of a biblical interpretation of that uh, on, on a Sunday and then on a Monday um, like the world falls apart and you know police uh, rock up at one of your parishioners doors because they've repeated exactly the same thing M Michael uh, as I'm thinking about this are there examples uh, where, where litigation has actually happened in South Africa yes there are but, but just to be specific on, on and back to this protection, you know, we, we push for the religious exemption clause. And this is one of the things where we believe people need to engage with this process because comments are only open until October the 1st. And we want people to also recommend and to make submissions to, to give 4SA's revisions to this protection clause. We, we believe that it should be whether or not you do it uh, by a religious organization or an individual in public or in private. You know, in other words, just put in those simple words. So that makes it crystal clear that it covers everybody. Uh, but yes, Please. I mean, you know, we for SA, one of the reasons why we were founded uh, was because of uh, a situation that occurred in, in the Joshua Generation Church here in Cape Town, where the Commission for Gender Equality uh, basically uh, took out a, 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 a litigation against the pastor because he had preached a message. Now, this is what I'm talking about in the church. Uh, and the effect of it was to say that although God loves all people, he does not approve of all forms of sexual behavior or, you know, your interpretation of sexual morality. And as a consequence, literally, uh, a lawsuit was launched by an institution of state against him. That was under Papuda, by the way. And although it was subsequently dropped, that's beside the point. The, 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 the biggest danger of limitations on hate speech isn't that you might necessarily find yourself literally in the crosshairs and facing a legal action. It's just the fear and the threat of that. The fact is that, you know, you, you simply don't know when the hammer is going to fall. And the consequence of that is, of course, that people have a natural reluctance or a hesitancy to say anything that 
might get them into trouble, whether it's on your Facebook page or you tweet something or uh, whatever it is, you can literally find yourself in trouble. And, and, and that is a chilling and very negative um, detrimental impact on our religious freedom rights, on our free speech rights, and even on the foundations of the democracy in which we live, where we should be allowed to debate these things, to state these things. How, how can we possibly find one another if one side of the argument is effectively potentially shut down? Oh, no, I think your point is well made. This is something that obviously we need to get involved with. Um, even as I'm sitting thinking, uh, j just the, the, the real ramifications and the problems that could be caused um, by falling asleep and not engaging with the state on this issue uh, sound like they could be dire. Um, even for myself, I'm, I'm motivated and desire to give input to the bill. How can listeners that are, are listening in this morning who say, yes, I, I need to say something about this. Can my voice be heard? And if my voice can be heard, how can my voice be heard? Um, how can people get involved? Well, we, we've tried to make it, as we did with the Papuda Amendment Bill, as easy as possible uh, for both individuals and organizations. And it literally will take you as an individual five minutes to send in a submission. And I'd just like to re-emphasize, remember that uh, a submission counts far greater than a petition. So, you know, you can have 10,000 signatures on a petition, and when you send it in, it counts as one submission. If those 10,000 people had made individual submissions, that's 10,000 submissions. Big, big difference. And obviously, government has to pay attention as part of the democratic process to the inputs that it receives from the public, because that is what the Constitutional Court has ruled and that is what our constitutional democracy demands. So get involved. Best way to do that, go onto the 4SA website, www.forsa.org.za. You'll see right on there on the homepage, there's something that says in the spotlight, there's an image with the hate speech bill. Click on that and you can either as an organization download a template and mark for you, for example, on behalf of your church, could fill that in and send it off and just simply make an amendments, cut and paste it, do what you want with it. Or you can go as an individual. We're sending you to the DRSA platform, which is a fabulous platform. It literally takes five minutes to complete. Our videos are there. We've got a very short video, which explains some of the major issues and also a, a document that you can sort of cut and paste from uh, to make the reasons why you're protesting this uh, crystal clear. Uh, it, it, it is it is very concerning. You know, even the definition of harm uh, and, and, and hate speech is broader than the constitutional courts ruling not even two weeks ago or, or a month ago, um, because it, 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 it just extends the reach of hate speech. And of course, as I said, it makes it a criminal offense this time. And, and we have existing laws, by the way. So, you know, it's not as if there's a big gap or a hole, which this suddenly has to plug and fill. Remember, for example, um, v Vicky Momberg and Penny Sparrow, who made very egregious racist remarks, they were prosecuted under the uh, criminal um, li li legal uh, action called crimen injuria. And that is something which is egregiously assaults your dignity, which of course words can do. And they were duly sentenced. They had criminal uh, in fact, one of them had a jail sentence as a consequence. So we don't need this bill. Uh, we, we really don't, not for hate speech. And we are basically saying that it should be scrapped. And if it's not going to be scrapped, then we must make sure that we get 
very, very solid protection in. And the, again, 4SA's recommended clause uh, will cover full protection from this bill for the religious community. So even if all you say when you give your reason is, I support 4SA's position on this bill, that would be sufficient. It will literally take you not even five minutes. I mean, click on it today, click on it now, literally. And well, they're listening to your show, but. That's okay. People can multitask. People can multitask. You can listen to Table Talk with Mark and go to www.4sa.org. Org.za, um, and there I'm. I'm right in saying they go in the. They go to the section in the spotlight, um, in the spotlight. and yeah. in the spotlight. And this particular bill has been highlighted in that section. Now would be a good time to go and check it out. Wonderful, and that well, is Michael, what we need to do. Make your voice heard. Every voice counts. Michael, I really do enjoy talking to you each week. Um, you certainly have sensitised me. Uh, to what is happening uh, in the state and so I really appreciate the work that you're doing thank you so much uh, for joining us and keeping us aware and keeping us updated uh, as to what's going on and as you talk on our behalf to organs of the state I do trust that the Lord gives you much wisdom um, and uh, and that we see uh, his name actually made great as God's people um, speak loudly thank you Mark Bless you. Thanks, Thanks for Michael. having me on the show. Every blessing to you. Cheers. Um, what I didn't ask Michael when he was uh, talking to us was what the weather was like down in Cape Town, but that's okay. I'm sure the weather is great down there. Um, even as, uh, as it hit spring, uh, I think last week I mentioned that the dams were 100% full in Cape Town. And uh, my parents stay in Port Elizabeth, and it turns out that it has been raining there for like three or four days, praise the Lord. I'm not sure if it's been in the catchment areas, but uh, I do trust that uh, the drought is broken or is in the process of breaking in the Eastern Cape. I'm looking forward, Michael, to the first rains of spring in Benoni. We had like a like the pitter-patter of insignificant um, uh, kind of drizzle a few weeks ago, um, but nothing substantial. Has it rained in springs yet? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same as what it did here. Just that little bit of patter. Yes, I'm. I'm looking. I mean, you guys aren't so far away that uh, that uh, when it rains here, it doesn't rain there, right? I mean, we get kind of. I mean, we're in the same kind of weather system. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, sometimes it'll rain in Spring City, and it doesn't rain in our neighbourhood. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. we we once had it. It was raining on the one side of the road, and on the other side of the road where our house was, it wasn't raining. It was just like the craziest thing. I don't know how rain can come down straight like that. Absolutely insane. We, we're not primarily here to talk about rain today, are we? No. <laughs> no. My, my, my hope this morning, brother, is that uh, we get to start talking about God's Word, uh, that we bring in a couple of uh, comments and a couple of questions uh, from folk that are listening in, uh, that we get to engage with them, but we also just get to engage with each other uh, as the conversation goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to speaking around a couple of the books that you've been preaching on recently. Um, yeah, I'm just chatting to you. Uh, you're a good friend, and uh, I love serving the Lord together with you. Um, let me just bring in a couple of user comments uh, while we are at the beginning of the show, and then I will tell you how you can comment 
uh, uh, listener, uh, how you can engage with us in the room this morning. Um, let's see, we have Penny, who says, good morning, Mark. Penny uh, again, great to be tuned in again. Penny, I've missed you for the last couple of weeks, um, and it might be one of two reasons. I think for the last couple of weeks, I haven't been actually seeing what's going on on Facebook. Um, for some unknown reason, uh, the application which I used to, to bring all of the conversations together was showing me WhatsApp and Telegram, um, but I wasn't seeing the comments on Facebook. And so I might have, you might have been there and I just missed you. Um, but, but if you haven't been around for a while, it's good to have you back. Um, I see that we have a couple of conversations here from uh, Shaz. Uh, Shaz, thank you so much. Um, in fact, I mean, how incredible is this? Eight minutes ago, you said, uh, thanks for an amazing message, uh, so eye-opening. And four minutes later, you commented, submitted. I'm taking it for granted. It was that quick to get onto the 4SA website um, to open up the petition and to submit uh, a submission. Well done, Chaz, uh, for leading the pack um, as far as that's concerned. And uh, to the rest of the folks that are out there, um, guys, it is really, really simple. You go to www.4sa.org.za and uh, the submissions are easily made. Just scroll down to the In the Spotlight section and you'll see what it says about the health, uh, the health, the hate speech bill there. So how do you get in on the conversation? Whether you are Glenn listening in from, I'm thinking Mokanyo. Eden, from where? Mokanyo. From Mokanyo. Okay, I was going to say which suburb you were staying in, but let's not out him. Um, uh, let's call him from the organization, Mokanyo Theological College. Or whether you are Roland Eskenazi sitting in Belgium, I think. Or whether you are down in the fairest of Cape, or whether you are in Benoni. Uh, we had a, we had a, a voice caller uh, last week, um, uh, John, who called in from Benoni and asked a really great question about Isaiah 43, verse 10 to uh, 12, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, and, and maybe just on that, the, the question was so good that I, I reached out to a few friends during the week in order to go to circle back. Uh, to that text and to talk to that text a little bit more and so I'm pleased to say that that one of the folk that I reached out to has agreed to come on next week between 9 and 11 o'clock uh, James White uh, who's quite a well-known debater I mean I know James um, quite a well-known debater he's debated over I think 250 um, folk from Islam from Jehovah Witnesses Mormons atheists um, he's got He's got quite an interesting apologetic ministry. He's going to come and talk to us, particularly about the Trinity in the Old Testament, because that text from Isaiah 43, 10 to 12, uh, triggered me in terms of my memory. Hang on, wait a minute. This is a Trinitarian text. And so James will join us next week and converse about God in the Old Testament, theology proper, but how do we see Jesus and the Holy Spirit um, in the pages of the Old Testament? And we will have a general conversation about apologetics um, and when we will have our public game of chess, because James owes me a public game of chess. The last time we had a game of chess, he beat me. I'm terribly frustrated. It was years ago. I want to I wanna play him again. I'm much better now. <laughs> um, Folk, how can you engage on the show this morning? Well, whether you are tuned in on 657 AM or 729 AM, that's Radio Pulpit or Radio Cape Pulpit, 
you can watch the show on Facebook, um, and that would be on the Facebook page, Radio Pulpit, Radio Council. Uh, possibly you're on DSTV channel uh, 882. Maybe you are watching on OpenView or on the website www.radiopulpit.co.za. But you can join the conversation right now like this. You can go to WhatsApp or Telegram, and the telephone number is 082-657-2729. Get those voice notes rolling in. Love to hear where you're from. Love to hear something of your story. Tell us about the weather. <laughs> but more importantly, ask a biblical question uh, that you would like answered so that Michael and I uh, can keep our Bibles open and talk around God's Word. If you're on Twitter, the Twitter handle to engage with us on is at 657am. You can drop comments directly under Facebook, under the stream. We get to see those, and we will bring those into the show. And our studio line, if you'd like to speak um, directly to Michael and to myself, is 012, write this down now, 012-334-1322. We are looking forward to chatting to you. Glenn says, hi, Mark, I am here. And then he says, hi, Michael, long time, no see. <laughs> so, Glenn, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for dropping a note, buddy. Um, uh, Penny has said that uh, she has been here, just didn't comment much. Well, it's good to have you with us, uh, Penny. Michael, let's, uh, let's start talking around God's word. Um, brother, I, I mean, I'm interested. Springs is just down, Springs is just down the road. Um, we engage with with you know members from Springs and engage with you all the time. Love to talk to you and love to engage with you. Love to stand shoulder to shoulder with you out in on the East Rand of Benoni. Are you guys in Ikurileni or is Springs like a separate geographic region? We are right there on the border of Ikurileni. Yes. Okay. So you, yeah. you you so basically we are together. It's not yes. like okay. So we are Ikurilenians. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, in terms of it, what, what are the good people at Springs Baptist Church currently going through in Bible studies uh, in your pulpit ministry at the moment? Yeah, so our morning service, uh, just after we got back from lockdown last year, we started in the book of Luke. Yeah. And uh, then in our evening service, uh, evening Bible study, and the Sunday evenings we're working through uh, Vaughan Roberts's book, God's Big Picture. Yeah. Tracing the storyline of redemptive history through the scriptures, just so cool. helping people get a good grasp of the entire storyline of the scriptures. Our Wednesday Bible studies are working through 1 Thessalonians. They just did the end of 1 Thessalonians 4 this last Wednesday. Um, our ladies Bible study working through rapture the Sermon on the Mount. That was just a joke. <laughs> second, okay. com second coming rapture, we, we, we really see them both as the same. So, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> Drop your eschatological questions now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so ladies Bible study working through Sermon on the Mount on Thursday mornings. And uh, yeah, I just started a new project last week called Bible Read, in which we're getting folk in springs just reading through the Bible, but coming to the church and having, I uh, just publicly read the scriptures starting in Genesis working through the scriptures hour and a half a week, Tuesday mornings, Thursday evenings, um, just trace, tracking one another in terms of doing the same readings on Tuesday mornings, Thursday evenings. And yeah, so we finished Genesis 31 this week. Hey, I've got, 
I now got a ton of questions. Mm. Let, let's walk. Let's work backwards from what you've said. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the Bible read. So Bible reading is close to my heart. Mm. I, I think it's terribly important. I'm always encouraging people to read God's word and to read God's word together for accountability. Yes. Um, so that they actually are motivated to stick to it. Um, but yeah, just tell me a little bit more about what has motivated the Springs Bible Read, how people can hook into it and connect to it. Um, maybe they're folk in Springs that don't attend the Good Baptist Church in Springs, um, but that are interested in reading their Bibles. Can they participate? How, how does your Bible Read work? Yeah, absolutely. So it was just realizing, you know, a couple of members, they've tried to read the Bible and uh, at some point they get stuck, whether it's through chron chron chronicles and all the chronologies, or um, in some way they just haven't uh, applied themselves to finish well. And so, you know, restarting, restarting. This is a project that we started to read the Bible together and to be together while we're reading it. And as it says in 1 Timothy 4, uh, to four verse thirteen to devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. So it is to come and to sit with your copy of the scriptures, whatever translation it is. I read the Christian Standard Bible just because I find it to be the most readable, accurate translation. And uh, yeah, you sit there, listen. We do two forty-minute sections with a ten-minute break in between. Well, and then, know, if wait, anyone wait. wants to just, stay afterwards for questions, just, just for two seconds, go yeah. back to Bible translation. Yes. You are using the. Christian Standard Bible. Man, I love the Christian yeah, Standard Bible. Really, do. and and I I like that you've taken the Christian Standard Bible for Bible reading because yes. it it is a um it is a literal translation. Mm. Uh, I mean, it really does. I, I I try as best as possible with my limited ability to go back to original language, and I find that the Christian Standard Bible is sufficiently literal that uh, that that I can do comparisons between Greek and between English. Mm. I'm not quite as literal as maybe something like the New American Standard Bible or the Legacy Standard Bible, where they even care about um, you know direct participles are, are, are translated consistently um, and, and a couple of other things but but I do find it literal enough but I don't find it a wooden reading of God's yes. word so yeah I'm, I'm interested that you guys went with the Christian yeah. Standard Bible as well well done and so <laughs> my, my wife and my children are sitting with the ESV because that's what we use in our in, in our pulpit ministry there you go you're and, like well reformed and and, uh, <laughs> and and my wife was just saying how she so appreciates just hearing the christian standard bible and even just following in the english standard version just appreciating the greater readability and understandability of the christian standard bible but yeah i've encouraged people bring your translation i want to show them that the translations are consistent yes um, that's excellent yeah, yeah. okay so i you, you know I mean, it doesn't surprise me that we've got a very similar philosophy of ministry, even mm. when it comes to things like Bible translations. Um, but, you know, on the, on the one hand, you, you mentioned that your pulpit ministry, you use the English Standard Bible, and that kind of makes sense. A lot of Reformed Baptist churches do use it. It's published by Crossway, which is a, a good Reformed um, uh, sound publishing house. Um, and so I know a lot of you know friends in ministry have adopted the English Standard Bible as their pulpit ministry. Um, but it, but it, I'm 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 encouraged that you're using the Christian Standard Bible for its readability right. um, during public reading um, mm. of this. And so, how quickly will you get through the Bible? You said you're on Genesis 38. Right. So I've worked at that by mid to end November. We would have finished the Pentateuch and read to Deuteronomy. We, we're going slower than what I anticipated we would. I was hoping we'd be by Genesis 33, but we're not trying to just get through reading. We really want to read with understandability, and so I encourage people to just raise their hands if I'm reading too quickly or if I need to slow down. 
And I'm also doing an audio recording for anybody who wants to be with us but can't be with us that I can send it out over WhatsApp on MP3 for them to follow the reading. So so there's two ways of engaging with this particular Bible read program. The one is being in the room while you read it and you're doing that at church. Yes. Um, And I'd be interested in what kind of numbers are coming through. But then the second way is by receiving a WhatsApp broadcast or being on a WhatsApp group. Um, and you're passing it out to folk uh, that way. And so if you are in Springs and uh, and you want to read through the Bible with a group of other people, um, free, free and open for anyone to join. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to finish Deuteronomy in November, and then we'll pick up in Joshua probably next year, February. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and how many people have kind of gotten involved uh, in in the Bible reading. I'm, I'm really interested. Yeah, we got 13 on a Tuesday morning. Uh, we got six on a Thursday <laughs> evening, yeah. and we got five uh, receiving the, the uh, audio on WhatsApp. Okay, that's yeah. that's absolutely wonderful, so, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm reminded a, a couple of years ago um, in Baptist circles, um, Solomon, uh, was it Solomon Jung? Um, he was a Korean man, South Korean man. Uh, he was at Baptist Theological College, and he was distributing a a booklet called Bible Time, which was a, a Bible reading program aimed at children and teens, kind of, kind of a, a family mechanism for for daily devotion. And uh, I got hold of that, and I started reading that. And I was really, really enjoying that. And um, I, I remember one of the the conversations in the packet that they gave us um, said something to the effect of every revival, real revival that has taken root, whether it be the Welsh revival, whether it be the Great Awakenings in, in the States, or whether it be other revivals in history, were predated by the consistent reading of God's Word. In other words, a revival of appreciation for the Word of God (laughs) created an environment where people in their spirits were 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 prepared and readied for a, a genuine move of God, and some of those revivals were quite extraordinary. Um, and based on that, I, I, I've gotten involved in 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 trying to mobilise people f- to the public reading of Scripture or, mm. or to the collective reading of Scripture as well, just because. Because I want to see revival in my lifetime, and Amen. because our country needs it. Amen. Um, so, so to that end, um, we we started a WhatsApp group a couple of years ago at Crystal Park, um, and uh, you know, in the beginning, it was relatively slow um, in terms of the uptake. Uh, the uptake. But um, what what I do is I just post a, a, a daily reading for people to do, and with the intention that you'd read through the New Testament four times in a year. So once every three months you cover the New Testament. Um, and that group has now grown. Uh, the last time I checked, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a bit over 50. Um, and of those 50 people, the majority are engaging with the content. And so um, it's actually quite cool reading the Bible together with friends. Yes. And I encourage, because you're reading the Bible four times a year, I encourage people to switch translations. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I read the Christian Standard Bible myself because I preach using the Christian Standard Bible. We have quite a large second and third language English um, community in our congregation. And so I find the Christian Standard Bible quite accessible to the broadest range of people. Um, but I've read the Bible in the New American Standard Version. I've read it in the King James and the New King James. Um, you know, when you're reading it 
frequently enough uh, it gives you the opportunity to mm. try different things out and and i love that yeah yeah yeah. And, uh, you know, this, this started at the beginning of the year when in our homeschooling curriculum, my wife teaches our two smaller children and I teach the two bigger children. And uh, we just started each school day by reading two chapters of the Bible. And so we've already just started Deuteronomy, having started in Genesis at the beginning of the year. And it's been so helpful because even just in the reading of God's word, you know, it's not uh, maybe the, the point of the text, but things will be raised. Mm. Like, you know, Rachel sitting on the saddlebag because she says it's her period. And it gives opportunity to speak about these things in the family yes. with my children yes. in just a natural way. Hey, there's yeah. some stuff in God's word, which is really hair raising, which yeah. I can imagine makes for really tough conversations. I mean, mm. after, after Joshua, you hit judges and things get odd yeah. in that chapter. How do you deal with it? Because one of the things that I love about you, Michael, is just the... Um, your intentionality in terms of your role as father uh, with your kids. It's, it's something I've always respected about you. H how do you have those kinds of tough conversations with kids? I mean, your, your kids are young, um, if you're covering that in God's Word. Well, Scripture's given as redemptive history to show God's work of making a people for himself. Um, and so I, I do. I, I'm so encouraged where... You know, I think Sunday school sometimes will uh, put people forward as heroes. And I remember in my days in Sunday school, I appreciate that at Springs Baptist Church, our Sunday school is really sound and does put forward God as the hero of the Bible. Yes. And that's, you know, you read about Abrahamson and Isaacson and Jacobson, and then you get to the judges and you just, whoa, hold on, like, look at them. Like, they're, they're not heroes <laughs> to aspire crazy. to. And yeah. Gideon's not an example to place a fleece out. By the this way, is even, God's as grace say, even as you at say Gideon, just... Cutting in for two seconds, Gideon and Penny, I want to say happy birthday to you, my friend. Um, I, Gideon and Penny is the uh, pastor at um, Florida Baptist Church. Uh, it is his birthday this morning. Um, I, I don't think he's listening, but if you are at Florida Baptist Church, you now know it's your pastor's birthday. Um, <laughs> give a shout out to the man. He is an excellent, excellent man of God. But you're right. Um, back to you, Michael. Um, Gideon in the Bible, in any event, isn't a sterling example no. um, of a hero. Um, in fact, he's quite timid and quite uh, bashful at times and needs major prompting from God before he's motivated into action. Right. Um, and, and so God is the hero of the story. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you got Samson, the womanizer, and Jephthah, the one who makes a random oath to the Lord. So yeah. in all of these things, we're seeing how God works with people. And if God, by his grace, can work with them, how much more can he work with us? And we who have received the fullness of his revelation in Christ Jesus, to, to see what his law has to say and to see the bad examples of these people, like even when Abraham takes many wives, yeah. we see the trouble that gets caused. When yeah. Jacob takes many wives, the trouble that's caused in their home. And here, hence, God's law is magnified. Do not commit adultery. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I um, mean, so it is. It's to show God's grace at work in all of this and God's sanctifying work. I mean, as we've been working through Bible Read this week, just looking at Jacob, the deceiver, how he goes to Laban and gets deceived by Laban and that's yes. God's discipline of yes. Jacob to sanctify him to make him Israel <laughs> okay so uh, let me just talk for a
for a moment to listeners that might be listening in. Uh, just a couple of practical things about reading God's Word, about reading the Bible. Number one is it is always a wise idea to read God's Word with, together with other people. Mm. It really is. Just from an accountability perspective, reading God's Word in community is a wonderful way to make sure that you get through God's Word. Number two, if the community that you're reading God's Word with is like in Deuteronomy, or they are, I mean, our, our group is currently in the book of Hebrews. Don't wait until we hit uh, Matthew, or don't wait until people get the whole way through the Bible and hit your Genesis. Start reading wherever the community is at. Mm. Um, the, the intention of the community is to cycle around back to the beginning. You're not going to miss anything out. Get, get started wherever they're at. Um, Number three, if you're a pastor listening, can I encourage you to start a community? Um, we have gone through an incredibly tough time as churches. I mean, it has really been difficult over the last, are we coming up for two years? Can you believe it? But let's say a year and a half um, with lockdowns and COVID and fear uh, and uh, you know people not being able to come to church, people being able to come to church, but many people being fearful to come to church. Some folk not being able to come to church because they were old and vulnerable or because they were sick and vulnerable, whatever the reasons might have been. Um, the bottom line is this hasn't been an easy time to shepherd people's souls. One of the ways that I have found helpful and useful to engage with people every single day has been to, for those that are involved in our WhatsApp group, um, send out a Bible reading to them once a day and then see questions that come back or affirmations that they've mm -hmm. read it come back. It's been at least one way to keep people connected to the community that they are in. We certainly have found it really helpful at Crystal Park Baptist Church. And so a couple of, couple of reading tips um, to those of you who might be listening in that are members of church uh, and maybe a, some pastoral encouragement uh, to brothers that are in ministry uh, to get something like this going. If you're a member, this is something that you might want to ask your pastor if, if he'd be interested in doing or ask him if you can start it as a ministry. Um, I, I, I must be honest, some of the best ministries at Crystal Park Baptist Church are the ones that I don't actually run. Oh, yeah. um, they're run by people who are passionate and who love them um, and are willing to follow up with people that join those groups. And so this might be a way for you to get involved uh, in ministry at the church where you serve. Got a couple of other just really practical things for those who read scripture. Different people read scripture at different times. You might be a morning person. My, I, I wake up, my body wakes up at half past five in the morning. Um, I find that um, then is a very good time for me to read. Um, I, I do a lot of kind of like computer work and paperwork um, between then and nine o'clock when I hit the office here at Crystal Park Baptist Church. You might not be a morning person. Maybe you're an evening person, in which case, praise the Lord, God's word can be read in mornings or in evenings. If you are in a family, can I encourage you to at least consider husbands reading with your wives? Amen. Um, and if a husband has an inability to read, because some husbands are really poor readers, and there's no shame in that. If you, if, you're, if you have an inability yourself to read, but your wife is a better reader than you, 
maybe encourage your wife to read to you mm. um, at night. Um, w- one of the things that Liesl and I have done over the years is uh, when she has a good book that she really wants to read and she wants to read to me, then she will sit at night with her nightlight on and she will read while I work on the computer or do whatever I'm doing um, and I will listen to her. That might be a great way for husbands and wives to consume God's word together. Um, and, and a great time is either um, in the mornings during breakfast or in the evening straight after supper if you've got kids um, to do a devotional together uh, with your children. Those, those times are often opportunities when the family is gathered together if you don't have the opportunity to gather them together at a specific moment. So just on that, Mark, with my children, I get my daughter to read the first four verses of every chapter that we read. I get my son to read till verse 15 because he's a bit older, and then I'll take whatever's left of that chapter. And and it is. I I ask them to prepare for their reading, so they go through it. They ask me about words or names that they don't understand. And, yeah, I want them to be acquainted with, as Paul writes to Timothy, these are the scriptures that you've been acquainted with from your youth that are able to make you wise unto salvation. 2 Timothy 3.15. Yes, I love that. And, and, and that's, again, the motivation for doing this Bible read. And I would encourage as well, read consecutively, faithfully, in how the Holy Spirit has inspired the Word to us. Yes. I mean, it would be silly of me. I've got some old letters of my wife that she wrote to me early in our relationship. And yeah. for me to go to page three and start reading a paragraph and then jump back to page one, it wouldn't give the context and the full understanding. Yes, yes. And unfortunately, that's often as well how people read the Bible. And then they do. They, they have misunderstandings and misinterpretations because they haven't read it faithfully in context. And where verses and chapters have been helpful for translation, it's been good to even show the people the natural breaks in Genesis of these are the family records of, these are the family records of, and how it's been naturally written without the chapter verse breaks. So one of the the next questions that I want to get to is you mentioned a number of Bible studies. I think your ladies are doing the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, There was another Bible study where you're doing other content. I I, I want us to start to work back and just talk about how you go about choosing content um, for Bible studies. Um, but again, I, I, I want to bring in some user comment. Um, I do see uh, that we have a question that has come in from Neil. I'm about to read that out now, as well as from uh, Trin. Um, but before I do, l- let me just tell you how you can engage, how you can ask questions, how you can make comments, um, how you can make observations in terms of the conversation that Michael and I are having. Um, the best ways to do that would be to join the conversation via WhatsApp or Telegram. The number is 082-657-2729. Get those voice notes rolling in. Love voice notes uh, when those come in. Um, always enjoy engaging with you uh, and hearing your voice. If you're on Twitter, the the tweet handle is at 657am. If you are watching currently the stream on Facebook, you can comment uh, below. I will pick those up uh, on the laptop. And uh, if you'd like to phone in and speak to myself and Michael, you are most welcome to do so. Uh, Our telephone number is 012-334-1322. We do look forward to engaging with you. Um, Michael, let me just read uh, the question that Neil has. It's one that you and I have actually spoken about before. It's related to the Lord's Supper. Um, And so uh, Neil asks this, Good morning, family in Christ. 
my name is Neil. I would like to know how does a pastor start introducing the bread and wine or juice to children, which was formerly forbidden in the church? And so that's his uh, question. It's related to the communion service. Uh, I'm going to let you kick us off and uh, I'll, I'll join uh, after you've had an opportunity to speak. So the Lord's Supper, as I see it from Scripture, is uh, specifically for those who have already partaken of Christ. So it's open uh, to all believers who are in good standing with their church, so not subject to any discipline because of anything that's in their lives. Um, And so, yeah, introducing children to the Lord's Supper as a parent, when I was serving as a youth pastor in Peter Marisburg, I remember some of my young adults always used to say, I always, I always try and think what you're telling your son at communion because I would take the elements and I would speak to my son. I would tell him the gospel and how the bread represents the body of Christ and how the, the cup represents his blood shed for the forgiveness of sin and how this table and this participation that he sees of all the saints is the testimony of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our commitment and encouragement to one another to maintain the unity um, in the spirit uh, that he has established. And uh, one interesting uh, uh, Sunday, I would always say to my son, this is only for those who believe in Jesus. And as they were handing out the elements, he says loudly, Daddy, I believe, can I have? Yeah. I was quite embarrassed and I allowed him to partake and I said, I'm going to talk to you after this. And I, and I realized my error because, I mean, if we eat and drink without a proper standing before oh, Christ in salvation, we eat and drink judgments upon ourselves. And so when I got home, I said to him, you know, you, 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 you loudly proclaimed faith in Christ. And he said, yes, daddy, I'm sorry. I was just very hungry. <laughs> Shame, that's so cute. And, and, but, but at the same time, I had to take him to 1 Corinthians yeah. 11 and I yeah. had to show him this is not allowed. You, you can't just you know, make statements like that. And, and, and boy, you know, because you've said this and you know, like it, it put me in an awkward position, I mean, I, I wanted to allow you to partake on your proclamation of faith. And that, and, that, and that has. I mean, it's disciplined me to realize, do we simply allow somebody to part, participate on their proclamation of faith? Or is it that they should actually express commitment and show fruit of that walk in being a member of the church? I'm, I'm, I'm still wrestling with how open and closed the table really can be. Yeah. So. And, so, and so, look, we've got two minutes to the hour. Hmm. Um, we're going to take a. We're going to shortly take an advertising break and a and a music break. Um, but when we come back, I, I really want us to to continue. Uh, Neil, by the way, great question. Yeah, thanks thanks for asking. Mm. Um, I, I want us to come back and talk about the fencing of the table. You said a couple of things which we also say at Crystal Park Baptist Church in terms of being good standing with your local church, a believer. Um, uh, we talk about non-believers allowing the elements to pass them by. Mm. We ask children and uh, parents to take uh, oversight over their children. And we ask teenagers who are unaccompanied to speak to elders before they participate. Um, and we exercise this proclamatory role in terms of fencing the table off rather than having bouncers at the door yes. uh, to enforce it. Um, but we are quite clear as we go about that process. So I'd like us to chat about hmm. that a little bit more when we come back. And then also uh, I, I just see such similarities in terms of your relationship with your son and, and the kinds of things that you do um, uh, as the communion is normally shared. And I'd like us to share those practical advice to parents um, 
uh, after the break. So pastors get how to fence the table. Parents get how to disciple their children. Um, folk, before the break, uh, as we started um, uh, the show off this morning, uh, we heard uh, a song um, by... Hmm, and now where has it gone? Ah, the song Overwhelm Me by A.D. Kemp. Um, we are now going to be going to a musical interlude. We are going to be hearing Unchained by Ricardo. Come back after the break. We are looking forward to chatting to you. Cheers. Well, folk, it is good to be back with you for the second hour of the show Table Talk with me, your host, Mark Penrith, I am joined this morning by my friend Michael Lear. Michael is a pastor at Springs Baptist Church, um, a community on the, like, I'm going to go with far, far, far East Rand. Um, Take us further than we are. But but, but not so far that they're not in Ikurileni. So so basically, Benoni, Springs, Mozambique, the Indian Ocean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Close to where the wise men came from. Close to where the wise men came from. Praise the Lord. Fuck you, you're listening to Table Talk either on 657 AM or 729 AM, which is Radio Pulpit and Radio Cape Pulpit, um, or you are watching the live stream on Radio Pulpit Radio Console. It is great to have you with us this morning. You might be watching on DSTV channel 882 for that pristine quality audio. Uh, maybe you're watching the stream on www.radiopulpit.co.za. Either way, I want you to know you can join the conversation this morning, uh, and you can do that on WhatsApp or Telegram. The telephone number is 082657-2729. Get those voice notes rolling in. The Twitter handle is at 657 AM. I'm not 100% sure that Twitter works. I, I, I can't actually remember seeing a tweet. If you are on Twitter, um, drop a line. I'd love to see if that works. Um, you can comment directly on Facebook. We get to see that live in studio. Um, or you can phone in and speak to us. Our studio line is 012-334-1322. We are looking forward to your comments, your conversation points. Uh, your questions from God's Word. Right now, we're dealing with a question that we were asked before the break by Neil. Um, Neil asked regarding children and communion, when is the right time or what is the right mechanism for introducing them to the Lord's Supper? And um, and just in terms of a cursory start to the conversation, Michael pushed back a little and gave a story of his own son, um, asking to participate and maybe a very quick response from a dad who afterwards regretted it. Um, and then we started to talk about around a few sub, uh, uh, scriptures and we looked at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in particular, um, a passage which deals with with participating and partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Mm. What I said I'd like to do when we come back from the break, Michael, is just talk around the fencing off of the table. I think that might be helpful for pastors that are listening. Uh, and then a couple of um, uh, very practical conversation points um, to parents and, and maybe guides to parents for introducing uh, children to communion. Because I, I, Just because I don't think that children should participate in communion yeah. until such time that they are truly ready doesn't mean that that communion isn't a participatory event in another way and I want us to talk around that a little bit um, but let's start off by just talking around um, fencing off the table on a Sunday 
Brother, I, I know because of the last year and a half that, that there have been a, a number of kind of um, ideas in terms of what communion is and what communion isn't and, and how we are either to fence off the table or how in actual fact it doesn't matter, you know, kind of like juice at home with a with a little piece of uh, Sasco bread um, is, is fine as you watch your favorite uh, YouTube channel um, dishing out their Sunday service. Um, let, let's just talk a little bit around what communion actually is who participates in communion and when communion should be taken and maybe when it shouldn't be taken. Um, what, what would you say to those kinds of questions? Yeah, so the Gospels give us the narrative of the Lord's Supper, which is not prescriptive okay. um, in terms of, of how it happens. Hey, just, just, but just at the same in time, two in, seconds, yeah. just, just tell me, when you say a narrative of the Lord's Supper, yeah. um, descriptive versus prescriptive, uh, just give me two definitions for that, for anybody that might not understand what you mean. Yeah, so the, the Gospels give us what happened that night that the Lord was betrayed, and they describe for us what took place. And even from reading them, it would seem that Judas actually was excused from the table before coming to the Lord's Supper at the end of the meal. Wow, that is an incredible observation. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the description, but when it comes to 1 Corinthians 11, this is where Paul gives a specific prescription in terms of telling us what we should be doing. Ah. And it comes in the form of a rebuke in which he says, I, I can't commend you for the way that you're actually coming around the table. Well, what was happening in 1 Corinthians? Because obviously there's a little bit of context there. Um, what, what, was the, what were the big issues yeah, that they were struggling with? Well, the, 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 the real issue that I, I see there that he's talking about is the division and the partisan spirit that was amongst them. And, and so they weren't really being one with all the people in the church. They were kind of one with their friends and those who were like them, but there seemed to be a very big division between the rich and the poor, where he talks about, you know, those of you who have in 1 Corinthians 11 and, and leaving the, the brother who doesn't have. And he all, all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's almost just observing. He, he's a brother, but he's observing you participate in this supper. And so he does. He, he talks often in 1 Corinthians 11, as you come together, which again, prescribing that we should be physically together in partaking of the supper, um, not um, virtually together, yeah. but, uh, but, but, but physically together. And again, I mean, it is for us to, to, to caution in God's love and discipline of the church, even as Paul writes, for this reason, some of you are sick and some of you have, have even died because you aren't partaking in a worthy manner. Um, you know, what, what, what the Lord has allowed for the church is he not dealing with, you know, not so much a virus, but but sin amongst his people, that he has restricted our enabling to come around these things that we would apply ourselves more diligently to uh, understanding what he has prescribed for us in these events. You know, I, I just, one of the points that you just made was this idea of coming together. Um, that's so important to me that I've highlighted it in my Bible. Mm. And we see that repeated phrase in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Uh, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better or for the worst. He repeats the phrase in the very next verse again, beginning with, I hear that when you come together as a church, uh, the phrase is repeated in verse 20. When you come together then, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. Um, the phrase 
to kind of sandwich this whole discussion of the Lord's Supper is repeated again two more times at the end of the passage in verse 33. Therefore, brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. And then again in verse 34, if anyone is hungry, you should eat at home so that when you come together, you will not come under judgment. It seems that by repetition, Paul is emphasizing the coming together of God's people to participate in communion. Right. Uh, one other verse that I think really informs this idea of it being a gathering, a, 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 a coming together, um, is from the chapter before, where in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 17, yes. um, it says the following, and just let my eyes focus. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, since all of us share the one bread. The, the idea of there being one loaf, um, uh, one loaf of bread, that, that loaf being divided up amongst the people uh, that were uh, in the Corinthian church, that were gathered together at that time, uh, and then all of them participating at the same time uh, as a symbol of their unity, one with another. Mm. Uh, they're, they're sharing this loaf and it symbolizes the unity that they have in Christ. And that being a very important part of what the communion service is. Um, this isn't just something which you can have at home with your family because yes. your family um, at home isn't the gathered church. The gathered church is on whatever day you gather, but traditionally we gather on the Lord's Day, the Sunday, the day that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Um, as we come together, as we assemble, and all of these words are really important, as we assemble, as we gather, as we come together, um, we then share, we canonia, we fellowship one with another. And in that fellowship, we break bread um, and we drink of the cup and we remember the death, the resurrection, and the soon coming again of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Um, what we do in the communion service actually really matters. There's some theological realities that are being played out. It is. It's that participation. And, uh, you know, the, the initiation ceremony, as it would be in participating into a body, is to be baptized um, and, and express your desire for accountability with a local church assembly so that when you come around the table you are faithfully testifying to your participation with this local assembly that you either are a part of or that you're visiting and testifying to your participation in another body um, that, that, that you are active in and so yeah, it, it's not simply an individual before the Lord it is a participation together mm. um, in this meal and and hence it's even important and you know we, we'll send out a message on a friday or saturday and just say you know please be mindful of the fact that we will be coming around the table because it is i mean i i want to be accountable to the body of christ and if there's an issue that would make me unworthy of participating i can be self-deceived we are to self-examine ourselves that we would not be judged but it is then to to make ourselves accountable that you know somebody can can hold me to hold them but you're not dealing with this issue and how can you just sweep it under the carpet and come to the table yes. let's deal with those issues let's pursue unity in the body of Christ so Michael when, when we come together we come together yeah. to celebrate communion we're doing a couple of things like firstly we are remembering because Jesus says a number of times that we remember his death and we remember that he comes again you also mentioned this idea of we're proclaiming yes um, and I guess you know partly also drawing out of what the what the worship service is from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 just this idea of it being a proclamation not just a, an internal function 
notion of you know the chosen frozen but but in reality um, everything that we do in our worship service is also being observed by outsiders uh, and so we do these things orderly and carefully um, and ultimately to glorify God that it might be a testimony and a witness um, to those who are looking in now some of those who are looking in are our kids right yes so um, I've got a an 18 year old young adult and I have a 16 year old teenager and I have an eight-year-old and uh, I just want to talk you know maybe to parents that are listening in now how then do our kids and can our children who you know whilst in innocence they believe in Jesus Christ haven't had the opportunity to really demonstrate the fruit of repentance that we would that we would normally want to see before we for instance baptize them um, or the fruit of repentance before we would admit them into membership um, so they, they haven't had the opportunity the life opportunity to put those on display yet how can we help them to participate in what's going on and just something that you said um, while you were talking about your son is something that I do as well um, as our family um, sits together during the service and, and maybe just to point out families that are listening in this morning um, you really should be sitting together Amen. in church um, husbands you and your wife should go to the same service and um, the same church uh, wherever possible and hmm. there are I mean I can't actually think of many good reasons why why that wouldn't be um, something that you do as a family um, and, and your children should be there with you um, subject to your authority sitting with mom and dad hmm. uh, in the service when the communion comes around this is an opportunity to for you to bear witness to the gospel the gospel in your life they've seen you all week long professing the name of Jesus Christ they've seen you praying at breakfasts and they've seen you praying uh, at your evening meals they've seen you profess the name of Jesus Christ they they God willing have heard you reading scripture during the week uh, they've heard you disciplining them by using scripture so when they've stepped out of line you, you've quoted scripture to them honor your mother and father that it might you know go well with you and you can live long in the land um, you've quoted scripture to them during the week yeah, you have in every way that you possibly can um, demonstrated godly parenting well, well now on a Sunday you have the opportunity to show the gospel to them because that's really what community is it's an opportunity to see the word to see the gospel we, we, we sing the gospel during our worship service we hear the gospel as it's read publicly and as it's proclaimed preached um, we see the gospel in baptism and in the Lord's Supper as, as we remember the death and the burial and the resurrection and the coming again of Jesus Christ and that we are in the faith and so uh, fathers and mothers as you go through this um, uh, remembrance, the, the, this, the, this, this ceremony, this ritual, which is really based on this relationship that you have with Jesus Christ, you get to explain that to your kids. And mm. I would encourage you, um, uh, church should not be a whisper-free zone. <laughs> you need to explain to your young children what's going on. I started talking to Thomas from the from when he could talk, when he could understand, which was about the age of two. Um, every single Sunday, my boy, Dad is going to um, eat the bread, which represents the body of Christ. 
my boy dad is going to drink the cup which represents the blood of Christ. I do this because I believe in Jesus and because my faith and my trust is in him. And, 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 I, and I do this with the people that are here in this room because in truth, this is, these are God's people. And this is how we show our unity one with another. And parents, this is something which you get to do every single Sunday. And it's something that you probably want to explain over the dinner table on Sunday evening or over the lunch table on Sunday afternoon. Even Saturday evening, just in preparation for, for, for coming to that. Yeah. I mean, I remember the once my, my son said, you know, Dad, you discipline us, but who disciplines you? <laughs> and, you and uh, <laughs> you know, even to bear witness that these are the people who discipline me. <laughs> mm. So true. Th- these are the people that I'm accountable to, and these are the people who will come to me, not to give me a, a smack smack, but uh, to, to, to help me. Yeah. And, and to point out issues in my life oh, so good, that need God. to be worked on. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is. It's, you know... We present the gospel so imperfectly at times, and it is the Lord who gives understanding, but it is for us to grow in the knowledge of scriptures and to apply even the, the, the word that was preached before coming to, I mean, I would believe that we should preach before we partake so that it gives that opportunity for self-examination as well. Mm. And even just to reflect on the message and, 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 and how then, you know, realizing we're great sinners and Christ alone is the great Savior and the yes. great Savior not just for adults but for children too. Yes. And we proclaim the Lord's death, as it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, and we call for those who are not reconciled to God to be reconciled to God, mm. um, to, to to observe and to consider that their state. And as it even says, you know, for for, for believers, after a process of self examination, Paul says, "Thus partake." Yes. So have the self-examination as a Christian yeah. and then partake with that renewed commitment to maintain the unity and the bond of, of, of the Spirit. Don't allow, as a believer, if you are a believer, do not allow for the elements to pass you by, I would say. Yes. Oh, so, Re- renew so the commitment. To because from, from time to time, right, a person has, <clears throat> has um, you know, just feels the the weight of their sin and, and will, even though they profess Jesus Christ, even though they may, might have a long relationship of walking in the faith, um, uh, as they examine themselves, will allow the elements to pass them by. That should be a weighty thing. Right. This should not be done um, haphazardly because... Um, impulsively. Because, yeah. Impulsively. Mm. Because, believer, the, the truth is... God's word is clear. Um, we, we have sinned, and if we confess our sin, God is faithful right. and just, and He will forgive us. Mm. There's no better time than to confess your sin uh, on a Sunday before you partake in the Lord's table. Mm. Um, if you allow the elements to pass you by, you're saying something to a watching world, um, uh, something quite profound, and something which which which, which requires pastoral intervention. Amen. And and I would suggest that if you do. Uh, allow the elements to pass you by as a believer. You need to have a conversation with your pastor, yes, um, so that they can minister to your soul, um, hold you accountable if that's necessary, or actually apply the balm of Scripture into your life yeah. uh, if that's what's required. And and I would encourage church members to exercise oversight over one another in this as well, because I've often had that you know somebody would be handing out the elements and then they'll come to me after the service and they'll say, oh, so and so didn't partake, and and I often say to them, well, what do you want me to do about it? Do you want me to go and tell them, listen, so-and-so has told me that they saw you not partake? I said, as brothers and sisters, you go to them and ask them why they didn't partake. This is our responsibility for one another, 
that we keep watch over one another and that we understand that if God has set his love upon us, then we want to proclaim yes. the manner in which he has set his love upon us through his death and resurrection. Now, parents, if you are listening in, I want to say that we are going to get back to the question, when then should our children participate in the Lord's Supper? I, I want us to get back there. So, so be excited. We are going to chat about that question, and you will hear some pastoral wisdom because I think this does become a wisdom issue um, from both Michael and myself shortly. But before we do, let's just shift gears and talk to pastors for a while and just talk around fencing the table. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, uh, we read, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. And let a person examine themselves in verse 28. And in that way, let him eat the bread and drink mm. from the cup. This idea of examining themselves is hard baked into 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where we have the prescriptive um, conversation regarding what the communion service, what the Lord's table, uh, what this love feast looks like. So let's just talk for a moment around the pastoral need to fence the table um, and, and what that looks like in the Springs context, in the Crystal Park context, theologically what some other folk might or might not do. Um, uh, let's just have a, have a brief conversation to pastors regarding uh, fencing the table. Is it necessary to fence the table? Or can you just like hit communion after a great song like Man of Sorrows or, or something like that? So again, I would say that's a very impulsive way of coming to the table. Okay. And, and I think Paul is cautioning against coming to the table impulsively. Um, but, but to give due thought to one's walk with the Lord and one's walk with God's people. Um, as Springs Baptist Church, uh, I must confess, we, we partake imperfectly. Um, and uh, th there is, you know, differing viewpoints at times. And we often want to just open the scriptures and talk about these matters, yes. um, particularly on, on the eldership um, as regards how to partake. Um, but, yeah, it is necessary for us to, because in examining yourself, it's saying, you know, am, am I walking in the light of God's word? And if I'm walking in the light of God's word, I mean, what does Christ instruct me to do? Yeah. You know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yeah. and teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. We get baptized, we join a church. Yeah. If, if I'm walking with the Lord and, and I'm, I'm going to partake in the supper, but I have no desire to make myself accountable to any other believer, yes. I'm partaking in an unworthy manner. Okay. So, 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 so I, I, would, I would see that it is necessary for us to fence off the, 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 the table to those who are committed uh, and, and demonstrate that commitment. You know, that it's not just a profession of faith and a simple individual profession of faith, but it's a, 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 a witness in the profession that others can testify to this as well. Because he says if we judge ourselves correctly, we will not be judged. So a couple of questions now. Um, regarding the fencing of the table. Yeah. Like, number one, um, should a person participate in the Lord's Supper who is an unbeliever, yes or no? No. Okay, so that would be a hard no yeah. across the board. We never want to encourage people in our church to participate if they have not placed their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And so that, at the very 
at the very beginning would be a, a, a necessary fencing uh, of the table, that people are, are saved, that they have believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. N- number, number two, um, should people participate in the Lord's Supper who have not yet been baptized by full immersion? Yeah, so uh, again, I mean... Or, or baptized at all. No, baptized by full immersion. <laughs> We're Baptists, brother. Yeah. <laughs> So I would, uh, I, I personally, um, I, I would say if, if they're in the process of this, I wouldn't see the reason of, if, if they were going to be baptized next week, do, yeah. do I withhold uh, communion from them this week? Okay. Yeah, if, if, if they are, no, I, I don't see the need to be baptized, yes. then uh, I don't think you should participate in the Lord's okay, Supper. That's, that, that's interesting. So, so I would probably draw a distinction there. Okay. Um, I, I would I would say that both the Lord's Supper as well as baptism are ordinances. Yes. But but I think that they represent two different things, or or they are mechanisms for two different things. I would say that the Lord's Supper is proclamatory in terms of salvation. I would say baptism is identification with Jesus and the church. And that's not to say that the Lord's Supper isn't identification with Jesus and the mm. church. It certainly is. Um, but I would say a person who has come to faith and is in good standing with the local church, and I, I would say that doesn't necessarily entail membership, but is in good standing, isn't in a church discipline. Yeah. I would say that the communion table is open mm-hmm. to those people. And so, for example, a young adult, maybe a 16 to 20-year-old who has professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior and has come and spoken to the elders and said, I'd like to participate in the Lord's Supper, I would encourage that person uh, to take communion. Um, at the same time, I would be encouraging that person to start to move towards the waters of baptism in right. order to come into church membership. Mm. So we baptize into church membership um, and kind of like seal the deal from that perspective. Um, but, but uh, you know, if we had a Presbyterian that was visiting our church, if we had a Methodist that was visiting our church, if we had an Anglican that was visiting our church. Praise the Lord, he saves Presbyterians, Anglicans, Methodists, and a whole range of other denominational um, uh, folk that we might list now. Um, If they were visiting the church and they were unbaptized, I I would have no problem with them participating in the Lord's Supper at Crystal Park Baptist Church um, with the proviso that they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, and they are in good standing with the local churches where they fellowship, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next, does a person have to be a member to take the Lord's Supper? Again, I don't think that is necessary that they have to be a member, but in the process of becoming a member, in, in desiring of a member, if they were just simply, well, I don't see the need to be a member, again, uh, I'd want to d- d- disciple them in that. I mean... You know, this is where I've learned. I mean, if my son were to say this Sunday, well, Dad, I believe I wouldn't allow him to participate until I talk to him about whether he really does believe. So not just a simple profession, okay, well, then you can participate and partake. Do do you have bounces at the door? Um, Like what happens if a visitor comes and... uh, and, and the Lord's Supper is going out. Do you have like ashes that go, uh, you get, you get, we skip the next two, you get, you get? How, how does it work? No, no, <laughs> no, no, we don't. And, 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 and whether it's inconsistent on my behalf that I would leave that for that individual, um, you know, to, 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 to make that decision. But for the people that I know, yeah. 
Look, I, uh, I, I would counsel. I think we have a, I think we have proclamatory power in these things. Yes. So on on a Sunday, um, we don't necessarily have myself as the pastor um, doing communion. In fact, I very very seldom do communion. We normally have a, a, a member of the church, a, a, a man. Uh, who is a recognized leader of the church doing communion. In our case, it would be uh, Craig Diadu. Um, who else does communion at uh, Crystal Park Baptist Church, Tepo? Um, Craig, Sandile, um, we have a couple of other men, Jake Msimango, uh, and a few other people. Men that you're training up in the ministry? Men that, men that are mature in the yes. ministry, men that have read um, quite broadly on the Lord's Supper, men that are able to teach, men that are um, are already recognized leaders. So and men so in the process of eldership? Craig, for example, served as an elder for many years, um, not necessarily in the process of eldership. Um, so, you know, we would hold to an every member ministry, a priesthood of all believers. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily too hung up that the person be ordained or um, specifically set, but we do set aside people. This isn't happy, yes. is it? Uh, we have a very limited number of people who do corporate prayer. The pastoral prayer is, and again, in every member ministry, I hardly ever do it myself. Um, it's an opportunity for men in the church to serve in this regard. But it, but it's a very small group of men. Um, the communion message as well, very small group of men, three men who are set aside for the communion message. Um, and they would be men that are separate to those who have been set aside for the preaching. We have five men that are recognized preachers in the church, three men on communion, two men on corporate prayer, a designated group, a group which really specializes in that. They read and they, they think through what they might say. Um, why we got to that is on any given Sunday, those men will stand before God's people and they will, um, in a very structured way, fence the table. Um, they will say to God's people that are gathered, folk, um, uh, the communion we have an open communion table uh, which means if you are visiting with us uh, there's freedom for you to participate uh, in the communion service it's proclamatory they mm. they're, they're they're making proclamation um, and then they will fence the table they will say please the communion table is for those who have placed their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their lord and their savior uh, the third thing that they will say is, um, uh, if you haven't, please allow the elements to pass you by. Um, and it's for those, uh, the fourth thing that they will say is, it's for those who are in good standing with their local church, which sometimes means that people visit us uh, and don't know what that means right. or, or aren't sure, am I under discipline or aren't I? You know, I've yeah. left a church where there was like a major struggle. Um, do, do I need to hold back? And they don't have time to ask anyone. Yes. And so, you know, after the service, I, I'll be asked, you know, hey, uh, you know, can I participate Clarify. in communion? This is my circumstances. And, you know, invariably it would be a yes, but you probably want to go back to your church and just make sure that, you know, the dust is settled, that yes. forgiveness has been offered or, um, or, 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 you know, if there's been any wrongdoing on your part, uh, forgiveness has been asked for, whatever that might be. Um, so some, sometimes, you know, there's like a, a point of a question mark at, the, at, that, at that stage. Um, and then we will say very specifically to parents, parents, your children are under your authority. Um, you need to make this call. Um, because, I, because I'm not the, the, the authority of every single individual little kid uh, who's at church. Uh, I will take overall authority um, for, the, for the gathering. 
Um, and then teenagers, particularly those who are unaccompanied, please speak to an elder before you participate in communion. Uh, and so we will often get teenagers who come and ask, can I, can I participate in communion? And very often the answer will be, you need to wait. Right. a while um, and and parents will often come and say hey is my child ready and no your six-year-old isn't or um, no your ten-year-old isn't um, uh, and the reason for that is because we do want to see the fruit of repentance yes. particularly in young children and, and Neil wow long answer yes. to a great question but let me tell you why we want to wait with children and with teenagers we want to re- wait for this reason if you are a godly father, and I hope you are, if you have a godly wife, and I hope you do, and you are bringing your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, there is a sense that they are under your discipline, they understand um, how they are to live and operate within the four walls of your family environment. Um, and my friend, what I pastorally find over and over again is that when teenagers hit about 16, 17, sometimes it's a little bit later, 18, 19, um, uh, that is when in actual fact, as they move away from, the, from being under the direct discipline of their parents, that is when in actual fact their own hearts are on display. And at that point, we sometimes find that those who professed Jesus but didn't have the opportunity to demonstrate any fruit of repentance or any fruit of the Spirit, um, really apart from being under their parents' roof, under their parents' authority, that is when we find um, very often that that, um, the profession of faith was actually on very, very shaky grounds. And it becomes really tough um, at that point to to roll back or to pull back a baptism, a public profession by way of baptism, or a public profession by way of taking communion. Um, and it becomes very difficult for those kids as well, um, who, who sometimes have also been taught that once you are saved, you are always saved, even though they are now living lives which are completely retrobate, which are completely contrary uh, to the gospel which um, they profess. And so, uh, my my suggestion to parents is to wait. Wait yes. until it is very clear that your children both profess faith and live their faith out. So in the case of the, the Penrith girls who are now 18 and 16, um, neither of our two daughters have taken communion nor have they been baptized. Um, both of them profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And at different times, we certainly have seen what looks like the green shoots of uh, of faith. You know, a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And we're starting to see what looks like faith um, at different times and in different measure uh, in both of our kids. Uh, but until they are certain of their profession of faith, and until mom and dad are certain of their profession of faith, it would be unwise for them either to participate in the Lord's Supper or to go through the waters of baptism. Um, and the same would be true of, of Thomas. Now, does that mean that we have to wait until they're 21? Well, no. Um, the youngest believer that I've ever baptized was, uh, I mean, I stand corrected, I think about uh, 14 or 15, uh, and they were clearly saved. 
Um, uh, although it, it's been very infrequent that we've that I've baptized teenagers. In actual fact, uh, I can I can truthfully say I think I've only baptized three teenagers, and I've probably baptized about 120, maybe more people um, over the course of the last 10 years. Uh, and so a very infrequent minority of professing believers mm. have been in that age demographic. Not because we don't believe that they're saved. We, we might truly believe that they're saved. But what we're looking for uh, is evidence and fruit that we might glorify God and they might glorify God. I mean, over to you, Michael. Anything that you want to underline or, or add to that conversation? Uh, well, I think we could talk a lot on this d- dynamic. And it is for us to, you know, just hold our consciences clear in the light of what God's word clearly commands us to and yeah just to realize that there's there's no permissiveness to say oh well yeah the word of God says this but I'll just do this sure look I I mean there are two at least there's a number of views on almost every issue when it comes to the Lord's table um, but but certainly there is a view that as soon as a person professes faith, you want to get them in the water as quickly as possible mm. to seal the deal um, or to give them the opportunity to publicly profess. And I, I, I'm sensitive to that. I, I read Acts chapter 2 and we see the immediacy of people believing, being baptized and being added. Um, and, and I want to be charitable to people who differ with me on this. Um, but as I look at the whole of God's word and the weight of profession and the weight um, of fruitfulness, uh, I certainly want to be very cautious as I come to these things. And hence, baptismal classes are even helpful. And, so, and, what do you and, guys and cover in baptism discern. classes? Yeah, uh, who, who is to be baptized, and and how we are to be baptized, and what baptism symbolizes, and therefore what the next step is to baptism. I mean, yeah, I, I can share testimony if you want me to. I mean, I was baptized Shoot. as an 11 year old. Yeah. Um, I, I responded in a sense to like an altar call where yeah. our pastor, after he baptized, would ask if there's anyone who wants to be baptized. I remember saying to my mom, Can I go forward? I believe in the Lord Jesus. Uh, I'd come to faith as a four year old. And so, yeah, as an 11 year old came, came forward crying wanting to be baptized, I'd asked the pastor a couple of times if I can be baptized, and he said no for the very reason that he wanted to be cautious on this. And uh, then before the church, I guess almost like with, uh, with my son, he, he just said, well, Michael, I will baptize you. But I only became a member of the church when I was 19. And why was I never challenged to then take that next step of becoming a member? Yeah. Um, and, and, and rightfully, and I still remember that first baptismal class when the pastor asked, why do I want to be baptized? I answered, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> and, and I needed the gospel to say, well, it's not to be baptized to go to heaven. Uh, it's a demonstration of obedience. I think that um, that, is, that, is, that so, is so important that we actually yes. need to just underline that for just yes. two seconds. The gospel message is this. God is holy. He is separated from sinners like you and me. The gospel message is this, all man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. There is no one righteous, no not one. We have a wicked frame which we have inherited from Adam and then we have sinfully chosen to rebel against God in thought, in word and in deed. The gospel message is this, there is nothing that we could do, not baptism, not tithing, not giving, not working, not taking care of parents or 
taking care of the law or being obedient in any way. There's nothing that we could do to reconcile ourselves to God. And so God, but God, sent his son Jesus Christ into this world to die in our place as a substitute for our sins. He absorbed the full wrath of God on the cross. And so an open invitation, universal call is made to all men to repent of our sins, turn from our sins, and put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And friend, if you do that, that moment, that moment that you believe with your heart and profess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. It's not true to say once saved, always saved people false assurance of salvation mm. but it is true to say if saved always saved. yes if you are saved if you have truly believed with your heart and professed with your mouth that jesus christ is lord and savior you are saved baptism cannot add to your salvation nothing could add to your salvation the the precious blood of jesus christ is of too great a value to have anything added to it no work of man uh, could participate of salvation but salvation is an act of obedience in actual fact in many ways it should be the first act of obedience and that those who have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior uh, then respond uh, to that by going through the waters of baptism and then being you were at salvation added to the universal church Mm. uh, that body of believers who through all time in every place um, and uh, and every believer um, is part of the universal the invisible church of Jesus Christ but that invisible church is represented in every place and at every time um, by God's people who come together and gather in order to worship and give praise and glory to Jesus Christ and and the process of being added to the church is a process of believing and then being baptized and then being added um, and so the baptism well it's not just a hop a skip and a jump to the main event which is being added baptism is an important act of obedience um, which then unifies us visibly uh, with God's people and with a local church in a local place what becomes incredibly um, uh, sticky uh, incredibly complex is when people who have professed faith in Christ and then go through a, a form of baptism have to at a later stage say but I wasn't saved in actual fact I, I profess Christ but 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 I wasn't really a believer I need to get rebaptized and then the complexity of of dealing with with those situations uh, it's it's really quite mucky yes um, because there is one faith one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, and um, one church. Um, the the idea of rebaptizing is, is really just <laughs> quite odd, um, and so always very very cautious in terms of my own pastoral ministry of mm. rebaptism. And I really want to discover. I mean, please tell me that we're not going to you're not going to get baptized for the second or the third time. But I think it's coupled to this to this really bad mechanisms of evangelism which yes. have sprung up over the years of you know kind of like 
being in a room and darkening out the lights and uh, having the organ playing in the background and, you know, asking everyone to bow their heads and, you know, raise that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Put your hands down. Lights go on and, and this statement, you know, you know, if you deny Jesus now, he'll deny you when he comes again. Walk the aisle and come to the front. We just want to pray with you. And this kind of um, emotional mechanisms of tricking people into making decisions, this decisionism, um, which has invaded evangelicalism um, and created all kinds of problems because those who walk the aisle 15 minutes later are getting wet in a baptismal font. Um, and the problems come in when they walk the aisle because they were on an emotional high or they walked the aisle because they, they made an intellectual decision without actual spiritual regeneration mm. and sometimes we really do need to slow that process down yes. that god might be glorified um in these public um displays and yet call for them to make that decision now today well, is the day of salvation yes yes <laughs> but yes to, to to allow for the 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 time to show the fruit of true repentance you know um a number of questions came in while we were talking. Uh, we're not actually going to have time to, to go through them. Uh, other than to say, uh, Glenn and Teresa, we will engage on these particular, com uh, these particular questions um, at a later stage um, because they were really good. Glenn asked a question regarding uh, family worship and Sunday school and uh, the church worship service. Uh, Teresa asks a whole series. Teresa always asks three questions. He's like a long-time listener. Uh, he's a member here at Crystal Park Baptist Church. And uh, I, I think he works during the week and, and comes up with the most complicated questions that he could possibly ask and then fires them in um, in Trinitarian sequence uh, on a Friday. Uh, Teresa, your questions are great, bud, um, but we will discuss them next week. I, th I think this week we're going to really just e end off this uh, conversation regarding communion and children. So uh, we, we've discussed uh, fencing the table off in terms of pastoral oversight. We've discussed um, parents uh, participating during the service with their children, explaining to them the meaning of baptism, uh, what these things that they are seeing actually mean is there anything else that you want to talk uh, around did i say baptism i meant to say lord's lord's table uh, is there anything else that you want to highlight regarding the lord's table uh, and and sunday services yeah i suppose r regularity i mean as as baptist uh, churches we, we tend to go for the first and the third sunday um and I realize we, we have an aversion to do it every week because we don't want it to be uh, maybe taken for granted amongst people that it's just something that we do. But I, I do think that we should probably do it more regularly um, as, as we gather. As often as you eat it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And, and, and so that is, uh, you know, I think, I think that is where the scriptures do give... Um, a judgment to individual churches rather than to a whole denomination to say this is when we will so we have the yeah um the the, the advice to do it the first and the third sundays but uh yeah it is for each church I and I, 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 didn't actually, even, I didn't even know that we were advised to do it on first and third oh, yeah. sundays that's the first time it's, i've heard of this the it's reason like what, the model constitution of oh, the really? Baptist okay. Union. Yeah. no yeah. Uh, look we, we we're not quite as prescriptive like that in our yeah. constitution uh, we do it on the first and the third Sundays because, look, I come from an Anglican tradition. My mm -hmm. father is an evangelical Anglican. 
Uh, I love him, and and I and I've always enjoyed the weightiness of the Anglican liturgy around the Lord's table. I don't find it rote. I don't find it as mere religion. Uh, I find it deep. I find it scripturally based, and it certainly causes my heart to soar when I participate in a liturgical service. Although I am low church by theological conviction, um, the Anglicans. Traditionally, as I've experienced them, do um, communion each and every Sunday. And I, whilst I never found it rote for myself, I do think that there was a sense of some of the folk around me um, going through steps. You know, you open up to your prayer book on page 104 and kick the service off and, you know, you hit the, the certain words and it, and it becomes kind of sing-songy. Um, I found rather every second week doing the communion service um, creates a, an expectation, uh, kind of like more of an anticipation for the communion uh, for the communion service, and it has also created space in our service for another very important element of worship, and that is that of pastoral prayer. Yes. And so we do pastoral prayer one week and the communion service on the other week, uh, and it means that we get to have a slightly weightier time set aside for devoted communal prayer, um, which I think actually adds um, adds a weightiness to the service generally um, and, and, a, and a certain um, dynamic um, to the way that we, we do our Sunday service. Yeah. Uh, you know, as we as we really come into land, um, Penny Penny has a has a question related to baptism, but it's flowing from this whole conversation regarding children. I, I think it's worth it's worth reading it and, and just engaging on it slightly. Uh, you can give first thoughts, and if we can't speak about it to the end, we'll tide it over to another week. She says, "I was baptized at about thirteen years of age, but in a charismatic church in." in uh, inverted commas, and certainly didn't understand the scriptures as I do now. It was just the thing to do among the teenagers in the church, and I knew my parents would be happy. Do I need to be baptized again? Question mark. Um, over to you, Michael. What would you say in, in one or two minutes? I don't think anybody gets baptized knowing everything there is to know about baptism. Wow, and that's so the, the, the testimony of every baptism that you watch, you can remember your baptism and uh, just take cognizance of all that your baptism meant in, in the past, as long as there was that, that fruit of faith. So, I mean, you, you know, if, if, if Penny sees that she was saved at that point, because, I mean, I do, I look back at my early salvation and I think, what did I really know? <laughs> Certainly not what I know now. But do I believe everything that I've come to know? Yes, I do believe it. it you know, that's understanding salvation, justification, sanctification, mm. glorification. Mm. And so, yeah, we, we, we don't know everything. Mm. And it would be just the question of, did I believe? Yeah. C c can, can you say that you did believe? Because I agree, it, it causes confusion when there's the whole rebaptism. because I didn't know everything that I knew then yes. that I do now, therefore must I do it again now that I know everything? No, but <laughs> because rejoice then next in what week, you've done. <laughs> because then next week you're going to need to get rebaptized. because yes. yes. the bottom line is, praise the Lord, Penny, you're not the same person you were when you got baptized at the and, age of 13. And again, neither praise, am I. Praise the Lord that salvation is from God. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, he works with us in a, in a seed form of faith and, <laughs> yeah. and grows us and matures us sure. to greater fruitfulness so sure. yeah yeah and, and i mean even as we even as we thinking through it your, your answer would have is 
is textbook um, and in terms of what, what I would say as well. Uh, the pastoral wisdom does need to be applied when mm. a person comes and says, I wasn't a believer. Yes. Um, and then uh, a lot of investigation need. In fact, uh, we probably spend more time investigating a person who says, I'd like to be rebaptized. Um, then we do a person who says I'd like to be baptized because in reality we really do want to investigate is this truly necessary um, because of what it conveys to a watching world um, but Penny I, I thought that that was a great question yeah. in line with uh, with our conversation um, and then uh, also just to say um, we would rebaptize folk from a Presbyterian or from an Anglican or from a Methodist background who are baptized as infants, or right. people who come from a Roman Catholic background who is yes. baptized as infants, people who come from the Church of Christ who are baptized as a step of salvation, mm -hmm. people who come from Oneness Pentecostal churches who are baptized in the name of the Son, uh, in the name of Jesus, but weren't baptized uh, into an understanding of Trinitarian faith. Um, we would rebaptize all of those people, but again, after very careful investigation as to as to what you know were they baptized as infants or were they baptized as believers what was the what was the mechanisms of baptism um and i hope i didn't just muddy the waters by by, by giving that and and actually opening up a can of worms that probably needs to be answered uh, more fuller you might want to ask those questions next week and that's fine um because next week friday we will be live on air uh, and just a reminder folk next week friday uh, i will be hosting james white James is a um, an, apolog an apologist par excellence, having debated, um, I'm fairly certain, far more than 250 uh, live debates with real people, um, Muslims, uh, atheists, Jehovah Witnesses, and Mormons. And he will be coming in and speaking over the course of the two-hour show, particularly on the Old Testament and the Trinity in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at theology proper, uh, Christology as well as pneumatology, uh, looking at the Holy Spirit, the Son and the Father in a number of Old Testament scriptures. I'm really looking forward to that and that flows out of the discussion that we had last week uh, with John. We're coming up to the news and so just a reminder that our prayers do go out to elders and to deacons who hold the line in local churches as well as to our missionaries who serve in foreign fields. Our prayers go out each week to the first responders in South Africa, our country, our police, our defense force, to those who dispense justice, to firefighters, to paramedics, to our nation's nurses and medical personnel, as well as to correctional facility officers who do such a sterling job all across our land. You've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, Mark, we're going to be going to news now. And so until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously to God's praise and glory. Amen. Amen.